Hey, and welcome to the GCC Youth Podcast. GCC Youth is a student ministry of Gracewood Community Church. We meet every Wednesday evening from 6.45 to 8. Find us on Facebook or Instagram at GCC Youth Lebanon and follow us for the latest on what's happening. We hope you're encouraged by this message and inspired to grow in your faith. Thanks for listening. Now to the message. Good evening, everyone. Um, glad to see everybody here. A few new faces, welcome. If you're a first-time visitor, we're glad you're here. So I just want to get right to it. Um, last week, we talked about, we're not in a series or anything. These are just some sort of standalone messages. But um, <clears throat> last week, we talked about staying in the middle of what God is doing. Uh, remember the sea turtles analogy? You guys remember that? Uh, stay in the current, right? So um, we talked about how, start off by talking about how time is fleeting it's going away. We don't have control over it, um, but we what we do have control over is is how we choose to use our time. And so, uh, but last week wasn't about time management, was it? Um, the The main message was us to uh, it was for us to draw near to God and do whatever He says. And um, we mentioned how some of you might say, "Well, I've never I never hear God speak to me, or God never speaks to me," and and it's a valid statement. Um, but one of the most common ways that He will do that is how? how? What do we talk about? Through His Word, right? Through the Bible. Um, so we talked about how to start reading the Bible, like where to start in the Bible, of what kind of Bible you could get, how important it was to commit to uh, a daily time with Him. And whether that's just like five minutes in the morning before you start your day, like if you do it before you start your day, that is like, that's going to really get you started for the day. But if you can get five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, and then... Um, it's going to make a difference in your life to get His Word in your heart before you start your day. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, um, you may not know we have, a, we have a podcast. It's the GCC Youth Podcast, so you can go look it up and you can listen to uh, and catch up on that message from last week. All right, so this week I want to talk to you about change, okay? Uh, not life changes or circumstantial changes per se. Um, I just want to talk to you about what a changed life looks like once you're saved, um, uh, after you've given your life to Jesus. And so I want to tell you a story. Uh, before Becca and I were married, many moons ago, okay, uh, our lives looked a little different than the way they do today. Okay, for one, we were younger, 19 years younger right there. Um, we, had, we had different families, right? We had different uh, bank accounts. We had different ways of doing things. We grew up in, with different lives. We had different lives when we met each other. I mean, Becca grew up a beach girl from southeast Texas, um, I was a farm boy from rural Virginia, and we lived 1,100 miles apart. And you're like, how did that happen? Ask us another time. But that, all that to say, uh, you know, Becca had two sisters. I had a brother. I didn't know anything about sisters. She knew very little about brothers. Um, she knew and loved spicy Mexican food, right? And I knew meat and potatoes and maybe the blander side of things, you know? Uh, some of you may can relate. Um, Becca loved to talk things through. She was very good at talking things through, and still is. I preferred to maybe internalize them and just kind of deal with them myself, you know, which wasn't always healthy. After we got married, just a little different, her family, her family became mine and mine hers, right? Her sisters became my sisters. My brother became her brother. Um, we eventually had the same bank account, uh, and and after marriage. I actually fell in love with Texas. I moved there, and uh, she, she, I fell in love with Texas, and she never, nearly fell down running away from the cattle on our farm. You want to hear that story? Yay? No? So, 
so the story goes like this. Um, <clears throat> so she wanted to collect some cool antique trinkets and things from this old barn that we have on our on our property uh, when she was visiting. This is when she was still visiting. It's like, I think it's maybe the first time she went to the farm. Um, she didn't have anything to put whatever she found in. And so I was like, oh, I'll get you something, babe. Don't worry. So I go and I get her a feed bucket. And then I open the gate for her and sent her through the gate with the feed bucket. Closed it behind her. It latched into the field with the cattle. Well, the cattle are up on this hill, so oh, we're good. As soon as the cattle heard the bucket rattle on the first bump as she's walking, they came stampeding down that hill. And it was like thunderous. It was awesome. It was so neat to watch. She didn't like it that much. She started freaking out, running away from the cattle to try to get to the barn because she was like halfway between the fence, the gate, and the barn. So she had to go one way or the other, so she had to commit to the barn. It was hilarious from my perspective. For her, not so much. She did make it to the barn, though, and had to shut herself in, and they're, like, pushing against the door and stuff. And when she tells the story, it is funny stuff. So we had very different perspectives on life before marriage and what fun was, apparently. But after marriage, we we share life together instead of just living for ourselves. We share things together. We share our experiences. Uh, We share conversations and that sort of thing. And our lives look very different than they did before marriage, as you can see physically. But also, we live differently together than we did on our own. So what does this look like for the Christian life? And we're talking about what our lives should look like after we become Christian and how it might change and how might that, that look different. Um, so if you say you have a relationship with Jesus and you're in this room, if you claim to know him as your Savior, um, you've given your life to him, um, I want to talk to you tonight, okay? And maybe, maybe you don't know what that is or maybe you haven't, don't have a relationship with him. Um, if you don't know him as your Savior, if you haven't given your life over to him, I also want to talk to you tonight. Uh, what we're going to do is talk about how our lives should look after we give our heart to Jesus, we give our lives to him. Because they will and should look different than, the, than they did before in the life that we used to live. So when we talk about Jesus coming into our lives and doing something new, what does a changed life look like? Um, and I'm referring to the life you used to live before you knew Christ. Things like uh, the things you used to do or the things you used to be a part of uh, that didn't please God. Uh, maybe the negative influences that you allowed in your life. Um, uh, maybe you had selfish motives uh, versus living a life to please God. Um, the things you used to be okay with and never really thought twice about that, that you did, you know. Uh, the way you used to see yourself before Christ compared to now, if you know him. What do you care about that's different from what you used to care about? What's most important to you now that you belong to him? And so we're going to compare um, your life now, which should look different, to the life you once lived. Okay, so there's a, something we need to understand. The first thing we have to understand if we're going to be people who want to live for and live like Christ is this, is that the problem we have with sin is not a problem for God. Okay, the problem we have with sin is not a problem for God. All right? Okay, God sent his son, just to, just to back up and clarify, Jesus, who died for our sins. He died for him on the cross. So for when we mess up, past, present, future, he, he paid the penalty. Um, what was supposed to be our penalty for sin, right? We were supposed to have died for our sin. And we would have spent eternity separated from God, which is the worst punishment. But God solved that problem through his son. So the problem of sin is no longer a problem for God. And so if God has already solved the problem of the penalty of sin for us, then the only thing left to ask is, what do we do with that? Okay, what do we do with that? So let's start by taking a look at what the Bible says 
what a great place to start, right? So we're going to look in Ephesians, um, and I see you all have your Bibles. So <clears throat> open to Ephesians. Just kidding. You can read it on the screen. And let's read this as if it were written to us personally, okay? Uh, when you and I read the Bible, that's something that you can do um, when you read the Word of God is, is read it as if it's a letter to you, a personal letter to you. Make it personal to yourself. And remember from last week's message, and if you go back and listen, you'll see that we're looking for pictures of what God is doing in, in Scripture. So you snap a mental picture in the album of your heart, and you can refer to it, back to it, and see what God is saying. So reading it personally, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, In the past you were dead because you sinned and fought against God. You followed the ways of the world and obeyed the devil. He rules the world, and his spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. That last part is important for us to understand if you and I want to live a life that pleases God. So I underlined it for you. Um, I read it again. It says, His spirit, talking about the devil's spirit here, has power over everyone who does not obey God. Okay? So what can we see from this verse? Um, it seems that a lot of the problem that you and I have with sin comes down to our own choices, right? The choices that we make in life. Um, if we don't obey God, then, then to some degree the devil's spirit has some kind of power over us. We're, we have allowed that, though, by the choices that we make. So let's read another verse, and I want these two to go together. Um, this next verse has to be one of the most confusingly written verses in the Bible, at least for me. And you'll see why here in a second, so I'm going to read it. Maybe you've heard this one. It's from Romans 7, 15 through 20. Okay, here's what it says. Let's see if I can read this right, because I've practiced reading this, and this is very hard to read. There's too many do's in here. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who do it, but my sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now does that clear it up for you? Right. So this verse can seem very confusing, but let's unpack it. What it's saying is important. And so Paul's writing here, and what he says is that um, throughout, his life, there, throughout his life, there is a conflict within him between the new nature that is given him in Christ and his old nature, the old ways that he used to live. Um, so what this means then is that there is an unseen war, uh, an unseen battle, if you like, that you and I only see the effects of in our life, in sin. But it's always going on. It's always going to be there until Jesus returns for us. Um, I don't know, maybe we'd be terrified if we saw it firsthand, you know, if we're given a glimpse of what's happening. Uh, but it's a battle for, for our souls, for your soul and mine. And the Bible is clear on this, and so let's back that up with Scripture. Ephesians 6.12 says, We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Now, don't let that scare you now. It's just that is the reality of what, um, what we're dealing with from the perspective that we cannot see with our natural eyes. The great thing about this is that God's already taken care of it through His Son, okay? And I'll tell you how to rely on Him for uh, the power to take that on here in a second. So whenever you're dealing with struggles of life and you keep looking around for things, uh, for what you can see that you might need to fix that's causing it, uh, like something you can physically wrestle with, that's really nothing more than a detour. You need to recognize that it's a detour to keep you um, off track and from being able to address it with, with power, okay? So there's another thing happening. Um, it's actually an invisible war behind the scenes where the enemy's trying to ru ruin your relationship with God or keep you from him altogether. And so we have to answer another question. 
how do we live now that we know what kind of battle it is we're fighting? Well, if we're going to go to war against a spiritual enemy, one that we can't see, then we can't come at it with physical weapons, the ones we can, right? So it just doesn't make sense. So what are we to do? So if it's a spiritual battle, we must have a spiritual response. It has to be a spiritual response for that to work. And this isn't some freaky-deaky weird thing, spirituality, you know. It's not what this is. Um, Operating our lives from a spiritual standpoint is no more weird than reading a book for our mind or going to the gym for our physical body's health, okay? I've talked to you about it before in the past, and I'll just recap. Um, We're three-part beings, right? Body, soul, and spirit. If we neglect our body and don't exercise and don't eat healthy, eventually we're going to have consequences for that, right? If we neglect our soul, our mind, will, emotions, and that sort of thing, there's going to be consequences. Um, We can't neglect any one of those without consequences. What would make us think that we could neglect the health of our spirit without there being consequences? And our spirit is always open to things that are happening. So we have to use what God has given us in the spirit to fight the spiritual battle. Uh, Things like prayer, we use the gospel, his word, accepting peace in our lives, um, being ready ready to share a testimony, what he's done for us, knowing the truth of his word, and so on. Um, But here's something that we need to understand. Not all your battles will necessarily be spiritual ones, but all of your battles can be fought with the spirit that God gives you, okay? Not all the battles will necessarily be spiritual ones. There will be some physical battles. There will be some emotional battles that you'll go through in life, but all of your battles can be fought with the spirit that he gives us to fight those with. And that's why we pray. That's why we sing songs of worship. It's the reason we read the words of the Bible and um, try to understand who we are in Christ and how we should live. We don't have to look far uh, to find that we need to live a life that pleases God if we're doing that, if we're seeking his word, because it's very clear in there. We all have, here's something that you need to understand. We all have the resources of God to live the life that he's called us to live right there in his word for right now in our lives. Uh, Romans 8.13 says, if you, live, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, as Christians, we have the ability to choose to do what is contrary to what being a Christian is. We have that ability to make those choices. We still have choices. We don't turn into robots as soon as we get saved, right? God doesn't control us like a robot, you know. So, we have, the, we have the, the ability to make those choices, and we've all done that, right? We've all made, made bad choices. But we also have the ability, through God's Spirit, to choose to actively work at growing in something called holiness. And that's becoming more like God. It's not just being all, all holy, in that, but it's being more like God. And the Bible calls this uh, sanctification. Um, when you sanctify something, in terms of what the Bible is talking about, you set it apart for something holy, for a holy purpose. So God wants to set us apart for his purpose, right? It's a holy purpose. He's a holy God. It means when we ask the Spirit to help us make the right decisions, to live the right way, and to avoid sin in our lives. We've already uh, been seen as being righteous by God through his Son when he sent his Son as a sacrifice for our sins. So we're righteous in God's eyes as he looks at Jesus and says, nope, he's paid the price for you. He's paid the price for them, you know? Now God is saying, okay, I want you to be more like me, and here's how to live. And so he gives us his word for how to live. And that's how we become sanctified as we begin 
uh, accepting the things that he's done for us and accepting the ways that he wants us to live and start trying to live those ways out. And yes, you will fail, but yes, you will succeed as well. And you ask the Holy Spirit for strength to do that. But you got to rely on the Holy Spirit to do it. So how do we rely on the Holy Spirit to do it? How do we do that? Um, we have to look at um, another part of the Bible for that. And Galatians 5.16 is that. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, what's that mean? How do I walk by the Spirit? Well, um, you got to understand that the Bible was written in two main languages, Hebrew and Greek, mostly Hebrew in the Old Testament, mostly Greek and Aramaic in the New Testament. Um, and so this is in the New Testament, which is in the latter half of the Bible. So it was in Greek. And the Greek word for walk, when it says walk by the Spirit, it's not a Greek class, just want to let you guys know what this means, though. It means, walk means to be occupied or to be occupied with or to be engaged in. So, so we have to be occupied with the Spirit. Um, if you're occupied with your phone, right, um, then you're looking at your phone, you're caught up in, in whatever's happening on your phone, right? You're both aware of what's going on on the phone, and you're engaged in it in some way. You're posting something, reading, searching, browsing, reacting to something. You may be sharing that with someone else, but you're engaged in that. We should be engaged, occupied by the Spirit. So the Spirit can bring a warning to mind when, when you're about to sin. Uh, we all have a sense of conscience and about what is right and wrong. But if we read God's Word and ask Him uh, to place His words in our hearts, then those things can, be in, can begin to work in our life. And when we respond uh, accordingly, you actually are em empowered by the Spirit, and it's kind of like a steady progression. It doesn't just happen all at once. Toward living a more practical, holy life, like godliness, more practical godliness, which is what God wants. And the more you do this, the more that uh, you will recognize His Spirit guiding you so that, okay, the next time something's up and you're like, man... I don't know that I feel right about that. That could be the Spirit talking to you. It could be the Holy Spirit talking to you, you know. It could be your own conscience, but maybe it is the Spirit speaking to you because you've given your life to Him, you're relying on Him, and you're yielding your life to Him to be able to speak to you. The more you do this, the more you'll recognize it, though. So learning to walk in the Spirit, learning to be occupied with or be engaged in what the Spirit's doing bringing, brings us from, from mental rules and from, from physical disciplines um, to to desiring, to wanting to be obedient to God. It becomes a desire in us, which is really powerful because that affects our behavior. Um, it gets rooted in our heart uh, and in our heart's uh, judgments, and then it becomes conviction to us. And when you have, how many of you have, can think of a conviction that you have about something, anything, you know, you're pretty solid on that probably. You're, you're fairly solid. Like if someone said, tried to give you the contrary to, to convince you, you'd be like, no, 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 no. Listen, I have a conviction about this. This is a personal conviction. Well, that's what it becomes when, when, when you get the Holy Spirit and the Word rooted down in your heart. And soon enough, it'll be something that you will learn to live by. So when we live by the Spirit, we are actually enabled by God's Spirit, okay, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that saved us, to do the things that He wants and to resist the things that we shouldn't do. Do you guys get that? Understand? So, so before your changed life, you had all these unchecked things going on, all these unchecked desires. You want to do this or that, and you did those things, and you didn't think twice. But, but maybe those things weren't profitable to you, okay? Maybe some things you did or were a part of, you knew they weren't right. Um, but you were, in fact, powerless 
to resist those things without God's Spirit. I mean, you could try to resist on your own, and yes, it will work for a little while, but it'll wear you down after a while. You'll be like, man, why can't I, why can't I move forward from this, you know? Now, now with the Spirit in us, the Spirit actually enables us to live the way God wants us to live. We can't do it on our own. It's by the help of the Holy Spirit. Now you actually have the power to make a change uh, the way God wants. And, and as you do this more and more, uh, you'll not only be able to make right decisions and choices, but you'll begin, begin to recognize the Spirit's leading in your life. And that's the really cool part is when something happens and you're like, you just get that, you just know. You just know that either something's not right about this or I need to wait or I don't need to get in my car and drive over there right now. You know, it's not a wise, wise decision, you know. Uh, whatever it is, you know, uh, but he can speak to you on many levels there. Um, as you begin to recognize the Spirit's leading in your life, um, you're going to see that that he's going to transform you more and more into to his likeness, really. I mean, you won't become God here on earth, but I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to see a reflection of how much like God we have became as we learn to live like he wants us to live. So how should we live? We've got to live a changed life, and it's got to be according to the Spirit. It can't be done on our own has to be done in the Spirit. If you guys would bow, let's pray. Uh, some of you guys, maybe you're not totally sold on this idea of, uh, of change. Maybe you, maybe you had a desire to do something that's right, uh, but you feel like maybe you don't have any power to, to make that change. Um, <clears throat> maybe your, your battle is in your home. Maybe it's a family battle. Uh, it could be a health battle, maybe for you or for someone else. Maybe it's uh, anxiety or depression or something like that. It could be that every time you go to school, you feel like you're fighting a battle. Whatever it is, I want you to understand that God is fighting for you. And so as we pray right now, um, I just want to, to, to lift you up, to encourage you. And God, I, I pray that your spirit will be made known to each of us in this room. Um, I pray that, that we would respond to you as you begin speaking to us, that we would allow you to change us so we can grow in our relationship with you and help others do the same. And I pray that you would help us to do this in such a way that we will eventually recognize your spirit's leading in our life so clearly, without a doubt. And that when you guide us, God, uh, you're, you're leading us to a life of, of fruitfulness, of abundance, of, of goodness. And the things that you want for us are good things. Thank you for all that you're doing in us. I pray that you be glorified in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.